0: The HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 92 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell.
1: And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts and I like blueberries.
0: I think we're both going to have to like blueberries this week because the movie in question is The Irresistible Blueberry Farm from 2016, directed by Katie Donaldson. Last week when we were announcing this movie, I was cracking up at the very title of this movie. Will I be made to eat my words with the actual movie plus the blueberry muffin I have got on standby? this week's HD Movie Podcast subject is a Hallmark original. So we're back to ambitious women romantic complications and there's all sorts of ambition and romance complications in this week's one. It's The Irresistible Blueberry Farm from 2016 directed by KT Donaldson under a pseudonym basically. KT Donaldson is another name for director and actor Christopher Tabori, who, amongst other things, was once engaged to the very, very lovely Barbara Crampton.
1: But he also made this movie, so let's get into this. So the synopsis that I'm going to read for you guys today is a lengthy one from IMDb, written by Hugo, I believe it is, with two Gs. This may contain spoilers. Be prepared. Ellen, a New York lawyer, and her pre-engagement boyfriend Hayden, a politician, are perfect together on paper, but she still has not given him an answer to his proposal of marriage. Ellen and her maternal grandmother Ruth have always had a special bond, going on unusual adventures together, something that Ellen's more conservative mother, Cynthia, has never understood. The last words Ruth said to Ellen before she passed away was for Ellen to hand-deliver a letter for her, It's addressed to a Chet Cumberfield in Beacon, Maine, where, as Ellen just learns, Ruth was born and grew up. Chet is someone of whom Ellen and Cynthia had never heard. Ellen has no hesitation in obliging her grandmother's last request. It's a task which she believes will take two days at the most. On her return to New York, she will give Hayden an answer. Ellen makes a literal and figurative big splash upon her arrival in Beacon an event which will forever tie her to a local contractor named Roy in the minds of Beacon residents. Physical evidence of that tie to Roy is something that Ellen wants to erase or hide, especially from Hayden. Ellen's stay in Beacon is extended, as she not only has trouble trying to locate the address in question, but she begins to discover more and more information about her grandmother's past, about which she previously had no idea. During Ellen's stay in Beacon... She is guided by the spirit of Ruth, who has a reason beyond delivering the message to check for Ellen to go on this journey, all in the name of returning home for the first time. How heartwarming. What a lovely synopsis about this film. Well, I would describe this film as a bit of a car crash. Now, I think when you begin a Hallmark film, you kind of know what you're getting. There's so many expected tropes that we have covered many times on this podcast, and they are practically all there in this film. But This film's pacing and storytelling choices are very odd and I just don't believe that anybody in real life would act like any of these people and if they do, I think they need a good talking to. The movie opens rather quick. It's set up really quick and the title comes on the screen and it kind of blends into the background of the the city. It's like blink and you'll miss it and then everything starts and we get this plot that I've just described.
0: Yeah, and unlike a lot of Hallmark movies, we get a snog fairly early on in the proceedings. So the two people that you think are going to get together at the end have a bit of a lip lock after about five minutes. It's after hotshot lawyer Ellen is proving to be the biggest klutz on the planet. She manages to fall through a fence on a pier into some water, and she's rescued by hunky handyman and Constructor Roy, played by Mark Blukas, who we both know much better as Riley from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the series. I mean, you got to hand it to Mark Blukas. He's pretty charismatic in this movie, considering what he's got to work with. He's not really given an awful lot to do in the movie, considering he's basically the romantic lead. He's just there to react when Ellen is flapping about, trying to cover things up, or trying to discover the history of her gran. And I guess in a movie full of fairly flat performances, he probably comes out the best. I think it's to his credit that he's the one that basically escapes this movie without too much embarrassment. The rest of the cast, yeah, not so clear about that. I mean... It's got the usual cast of weirdos from a small town. Not quite as weird as the ones from Castle for Christmas. They are the weirdest lot. But Beacon Main's residents are a bit old. They're gonna
1: take a lot to top.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing, exactly. They're they're the high water mark, the Castle for Christmas lot. But Beacon Main gives it a good shot in providing some complete lunatics for Ellen to bounce off. It's your usual hallmark fare, but without the humour this time there's lots and lots of silly things that normally happen in all my movies you usually get daft sidekicks and silly running gags and they seem to be missing mostly from this so you just get a fairly uninspiring type of mystery plot which is dressed up with a little bit of romance and some local colour the scenery's nice as it usually is in these movies but there's some weird choices, as you say. Weirdest of all for me is the dead gran that keeps turning up to talk to Ellen at the most inappropriate times. Now, you could have made some really good jump scares out of this, but she appears all over the place. She appears she appears at the hotel. She appears in the back of a car. I mean, that classic horror setup, getting a car, somebody's in the back seat. But Ellen doesn't seem to bat an eyelid. Gets in a car there's a spirit of a dead gran in the back and she just goes, oh yeah, hi, let's have a chat. Not like, what the fuck? There's a dead person in the back of the car. <laughs> and it's the movie's full of this sort of stuff. It's just strange. And I guess that if you like Hallmark movies, you're going to dismiss all of this stuff. But if you're a casual movie fan, there's loads and loads of stuff in this. You just think, why have they decided to do it this way? This is ridiculous. You know, you could write a book on the weird narrative choices that they make throughout this movie. And I do love the fact that it's a town in which no thought has gone into naming the businesses, apart from maybe the Irresistible Blueberry Cafe, of which that doesn't feature an awful lot. They're only in it a couple of times. My favourite is the camera shop, which is called Bob's Cameras. And if
1: you're looking for a good state-of-the-art camera, Bob's Cameras is the place to go, because this woman who resides in a city and is a photographer has a really shit camera, and then she goes to Bob's Cameras and she's completely enlightened, she just finds an even better camera that does everything that she needs. It is so much suspension of just honestly. <laughs> I think this film is very flat, as you say, because it lacks the humour or much of the quirkiness. I mean, there are, I suppose, there are quirky elements to it, but it doesn't feel in the same vein as some of the other movies that we've covered. Going back to the dead grandmother, she isn't very ethereal, like in any sense of the word. She just turns up, as you say, just for a chat, like she's a normal person. There's nothing to indicate that she's actually a ghost, which is just really, really bad. I had a hard time believing that Roy, played by Mark Lucas, would be single. I mean, he must be, you know, sort of in his 40s, I would say. And he's just kind of there, just ready for the main character. You know, it's like he's been waiting for her his whole life. And it's really baffling to me. I just can't imagine his character, this guy, who is quite attractive, not being snapped up by somebody in the town and not even being interested in anyone else. It's a very bizarre setup. I mean, it might have been better to have conflict if he was in a relationship or was married. That might have added a bit more drama to this whole piece. But no, they don't go there. It's just all very bland. And the bottom line of it is the creepy ghost grandmother basically had a secret relationship with a guy in that town who happens to be Roy's great uncle. Now I was a bit nervous at this point wondering were they going down an incestual <laughs> I was like, no, they're not. I mean surely these guys can't get together now because they must be related. There's gonna be something where he's a secret love child, something or other, but no. It was nothing like that. All it was is the creepy grandmother wanted to project her own regrettable life onto the protagonist and she goes with it it's just quite manipulative
0: yeah exactly yeah it's a weird flex for a ghost to come back from the dead and think right i'm going to use my granddaughter to try and relive my life vicariously through somebody else and correct all the relationship mistakes i made no stay there stay in the phantom zone grant I'm sorry you know you're not coming back to do all of this shit this woman is a perfectly capable lawyer who's got a high-powered job she's engaged to a congressman but it's like no no because I couldn't live out my artistic dreams I'm going to try and force my granddaughter to end up in the middle of nowhere in this town in Maine and throw away this potentially lavish lifestyle but you know Because it's a Hallmark movie, because it's got romantic complications, and it's got ambitious women making choices, you kind of know where this is going at the end. If you don't know where this is going at the end, you clearly haven't watched any Hallmark movies, or indeed any movies whatsoever. The one thing I will give this movie is the extras are fantastic, especially in the hotel and the bar. The extras are look like they have never been in a movie before so they're doing all sorts of inappropriate facial expressions in the foreground or the background just watch the people who are not the focus of the camera throughout this movie it is just like the rabbits in the headlights basically they've grabbed somebody off the street and said right do you want to be in a movie chucked them in there and as soon as they've got in front of the camera they thought oh fuck what am i going to do and they forget to be human beings it's (laughs) hilarious i love the extras in this movie it's probably some of the only stuff i love about this movie i did get a few laughs from the 100 years of beacon art where ellen finds some of her grandmother's work surprise surprise now They're going on about 100 years of Beacon Art. Now, if that's all they've produced in 100 years, or if that's the best they can do in 100 years of local art, then there's very little talent in that town. I mean, I referred to it, because I watched it with my wife, I think I referred to it as 100 years of shite when it was (laughs) on there. Also, the town newspaper, the Beacon Bugle, which has a very attractive picture of... Ellen and Roy in a clinch in the water, which is what sparks all the trouble off. My wife pointed out that it was only volume nine of the Beacon Bugle. So are we led to believe that they've only ever produced eight previous copies of the Beacon Bugle? Are they struggling for news so much that it's like, right, we'll just put a paper out when we've got something worth printing. And so in like, what, 100 years, they've managed to, Chuck out nine newspapers. There must be nothing happening in that town.
1: But for them to actually print that whole incident, it's very weird how it all happens. Like, she falls into the water, he dives in and saves her, and then I thought, no, they're not going to go this straight away. It's going to be one of those moments where it's, like, going to suggest there's a bit of a romantic spark between them and they'll almost kiss, but it won't happen until the very end. No, she just goes ahead and uh, snogs him. It's that whole thing about how you're so grateful for someone saving your life that you kind of develop feelings for that person. But she's literally just met him. And as I say, he's a very attractive man. But it's just a very, very strange. And then all the, the people of the town just start surrounding it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't really remember any press being there in that scene. It was just people spectating. I might be wrong because I might have lost the will to live by this point and missed that detail. But then why it was suddenly front page headline news was absolutely
0: bizarre yeah it's a bit weird it just is indicative of how little incident happens in beacon main oh two people are kissing in the water let's stick it on the front of a newspaper that's probably how dull the town is sorry i'm i'm in the middle of my very nice blueberry muffin that i am eating during this recording there are blueberry muffins in this movie at the cafe there's a bowl of blueberries but the rest of the film is surprisingly Blueberry Light. Considering it's in the title, there's very few references to blueberries across the piece. There's a couple of blueberries growing in a field, in a farm somewhere. But, you know, considering the title of the movie makes it feel like it's going to be blueberry-centric, if you're a blueberry fan, you're not going to get very satisfied with this. There's very little blueberry action. There's Action of all sorts of different sorts. There's the usual parade of people who are annoying and inquisitive and would probably get a smack in the chops from any other character if they behave like that in real life. But this is what happens in, in Hallmark movies you just get local colour. You get, oh, aren't these characters quirky and aren't these characters strange and funny? No, they're just generally annoying, basically. Like the cafe owner. You know, the cafe owner of the, of the Blueberry Cafe, she's fine, but she's very inquisitive. She's just wanting to know everything about Ellen within a, like two minutes of her sitting down. Same with the hotel owner. The hotel owner's very nosy. The people in the bar are all extremely nosy and they take her to their hearts fairly quickly because she just has to keep checking back into the hotel because she hasn't uncovered the rest of the mystery. The running gag where she's checking in and out of the hotel constantly. I think they thought it was a lot funnier than it actually is. It's like, yeah, it's fine. We do realise that she's going to check out the hotel and then she's going to be back later in the day to check back in. It's fine once, but it's not fine sort of three or four times. You know, it's not, not great the first time. Certainly not funny the fourth time. Also, I've got to point out the weirdest camera angle in this movie. It's during a sequence in which Ellen is taking shots of various bits of the town. But there's an odd camera point where the head isn't in shot and it's kind of a sort of a torso shot. She's got the camera sort of down by her hips, so you can't really see the camera. So you've just got this kind of basically a side-on shot of her hooters. Who thought that angle was a good idea? Because it doesn't fit with any of the rest of the scene and it's just like plonk there. Did it not go through any editing suite? And they go, well, that's just, that just looks weird in this sequence. The rest of it doesn't look like it at all. It's all framed roughly. But then all of a sudden there's this mid shot of her uh, boobs. What's that there for? I'm sure that it's a mistake because Hallmark is not going to say, hey folks, here's some T&A because that's not Hallmark's <laughs> MO at all. But that shot was like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. But that shot it's like, why is it there? Did they not have time to shoot it again? Maybe they didn't. I was going to say it sticks out, but, you know, it's (laughs) in, in every single way. Again, it's just full of weird stuff. It feels like a movie that's it's got potential, but it just seems glued together. And there's a weird bit where Hayden turns up on a surprise visit. Boyfriends always come on surprise visits in all my movies. Hayden eats some of the local produce and then gets violently ill. Now, at the point where Roy is sort of driving him back to the hotel, I couldn't work out because of Hayden's acting. I thought, is he going to shit himself? And when he got out of the car, I thought, is he actually going to shit himself? But actually, no, he's vomiting. But I couldn't tell until he actually throws up. I was thinking, like, are they actually going to have a shitting yourself gag in a Hallmark movie. Well, clearly not. But the way he's kind of staggering out of the car, I'm thinking, is this guy going to have horrendous diarrhea or something? No, no, it's not that sort of movie. But from the way that he gets out of the car, you would think, oh, my God, is it going to happen? It doesn't. But
1: spoiler alert. Spoiler alert.
0: Yeah. (laughs) If you're tuning in to the point where Hayden's got, well, he's not got food poisoning, but he's, he's having a bit of a jippy tummy. At this point, if you actually think, "Oh my God, is he going to shit himself?" <laughs> he doesn't shit himself. He throws up. You, you... can relax. Yeah, you can relax. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, you may not even get to that point in the movie because it's about, is it about an hour in, maybe? But... Oh,
1: probably. <laughs> you know, if you if you get through ten minutes of it, you've done well. Put it that way. But yeah, we need to talk about Hayden because he is not the typical ruthless boyfriend like the wrong guy he doesn't even give off any of those vibes he's quite a nice bloke really and so the fact that he made all that effort to go and visit a woman who's given him the runaround and not um giving him a straight answer whether she wants to marry him or not yeah he takes everything pretty well to the point where she decides you know she's gonna stay in Beacon, Maine, and she's going to obviously get it on with Roy. And, you know, he's he's cool with it. He's like, you know, I I understand whatever he says. And it just kind of, yeah, that's that's him out of the film. So there's no real tension or conflict with this character, with the situation, which makes it, again, even more odd. Just looking through my random scribbles that I made <laughs> during these films, going back to the whole discussion about if you're a blueberry fan like myself, you'll be disappointed that there is not enough blueberries I mean there's not much farm in it to be fair either and I think reading the title I was getting quite excited in the sense that I thought it was going to be a really silly story about a blueberry farm that everybody loves in the town and then it was going to get threatened with closure or something and everyone's like save the blueberries I thought it was just going to be some plot like that so I'm really disappointed so I'm never going to go in with expectations to a Hallmark film ever again no matter what the title is because this was just utterly disappointing, but in my notes I just had written at one point orders a bowl of blueberries. So I guess I was <laughs> noting anytime we had some blueberry action in this film. I believe there's one point where Roy is wearing a hat that says Baby Blues. So I'm guessing that's a reference to small blueberries, the maybe, baby size. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe the name name of his his company. I have no idea. And then going back to, it's kind of like a sort of local fate fair event going on. And this is what leads to Hayden's sickness. There is a business they called Udder Delight.
0: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I mean, at least there's some thought going into Udder Delight. It's not like Bob's Cameras. It's a camera place (laughs) run by Bob. It's Bob's Cameras
1: do so, we even see Bob, I can't even remember I don't think you do, you
0: see, you see him come out um, of Bob's cameras And there's a sign outside Bob's cameras But I don't <laughs> think you see the much vaunted Bob and his cameras No, he's
1: he's, he's obviously a presence He's made an impression clearly with his camera shot But obviously we yeah. can't really remember if he was actually a thing in this movie or not Well you don't um, see anybody oh. going
0: in and going oh, Fucking hell Bob, can't you just <laughs> think of a better name for your business than Bob's cameras?
1: That's what it says on the tin. Yeah, it's like exactly. A it's a, it's, has a, cameras it's, a camera,
0: cameras it's a camera shop run by Bob.
1: Now, I don't know if you noticed this, but this was very much out of left field in the movie for me. So it is towards the end of the movie where they come out of the bar and Roy and Ellen are having this like highly emotional conversation. And it's either in that scene or it's the scene where she's talking with Hayden. And there's some creepy head sculptures in the background. Darren is pointing with excitement as he tries to chew his blueberry muffin. He has something to say.
0: <laughs> At that point, yeah, they're having this heart to heart. And there's a wall of faces behind them. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's some, yeah, it's like something out of there's a There's a wall of fucking faces behind them. And they're having this, like, oh, should I stay? Should I go? It's like, oh, I am really lovely, you. I want you to stay. It's like, But there's a wall of faces behind you. Have you not seen this? <laughs> I was hoping one of them would turn around and go, Jesus, there's a wall of faces behind us.
1: Now, the only bit of trivia I can find that could link in with this, but I don't think it will. I think I'm totally reaching this one. So there's a piece of trivia on IMDb that says, the farmhouse is also featured in an episode of Psych as Mulder's house in the X-Files revival. Now this shot wasn't by the farm so it couldn't be the same farmhouse but i was just thinking was there some other movie or series being shot at the time that had these faces that they were using and they just happened to be kind of simultaneously shooting two different movies and they just happened to be there and they didn't bother to like stand away from them i don't know as i say, i'm probably reaching there because if it was the farmhouse that's a completely different set surely
0: yeah maybe At least they'll have a story to tell in future generations because, you know, obviously if they have some kids, they'll go, oh, where did you first meet? or where did you profess your love for it? Go, oh yeah, I remember. It was by the wall of fucking scary faces. That's where I actually told your mum that I loved her. You should run to the end of this movie if you're not going to watch the whole thing and you don't have to watch the whole thing because quite honestly, it's not really worth your time. But get towards the end and watch for the wall of scary faces. It's completely out of context. Even around the area, you would think because it's kind of a it's a dockside, there's kind of piers, there's residential places on the water side, wall of scary faces. Where, where's that come from? The town planners in Beacon, it's like, what does this town need? We've got a pier, we've got a nice marina, we've got a couple of nice cafes and stuff. What do we need? Oh, I know, a massive wall of fucking scary faces.
1: It's really jarring, like, you know, it thought I made, made me think of Return to Oz, you know, with their heads all kept yeah. in the glass cases. I was getting that sort of vibes, and I was just looking at it, you know, I was too much focused on this wall of faces to even care about what was going on in the scene. That's why I'm lost, I can't remember if she was talking with Roy or Hayden. It could have been both, but I was just like, what is that? And I had to make a note of it, because that was just one of the, strangest things in a movie full of strange things that don't make sense as we've discussed this really lacked the hallmark charm and i know that is probably giving hallmark too much credit because they are basically a machine that turns out the same movie with the same plot they just change the actors around and rotate the settings but ultimately if you've seen one hallmark you've seen them all but i think some are more entertaining than others depending on what's included in there And this one, as I say, it's just incredibly flat. It's just just not a good movie at all. I can't really say anything positive about this. I'm just confused and disappointed because I felt like, you know, I didn't think I was going to be that invested in the main romance of the film. But the fact that they snog within the first 10 minutes, I just thought it was really lazy.
0: Yeah, there's no build up to it at all. I guess it's trying to do almost like an anti-rom-com by having the end at the start and then trying to sort of work its way back to sort of having them stay together at the end, which in one sense, yeah, it's quite an interesting way of playing around with the structure, but it doesn't work. I'm going to come back to something about the hotel bar, specifically the dance floor and the performance area in the hotel bar. Two things about this. One is that Roy has a discussion about building regs while everybody is dancing on the dance floor. So he's having a chat with some guy. There's a performance going on. There's a band. Everybody's dancing. Right in the middle of the dance floor, he's talking with this guy about building and and this lawsuit that might happen to him and stuff. It's like... Why would you do it on a dance floor? You know, you'd be dancing around and then there's somebody going, Oh God, I'm getting sued over my building regs and stuff. It's like, why are you? Why are you talking? I'm having a dance here. Why are you talking about lawsuits and building regulations? there's tables over there. Go and sit over there and talk about your building rigs. I'm having a dance. But no, it's like, no, smack in the middle of the dance floor, disrupting everybody. It's like, oh, I think my kids are going to sue me and stuff. And like, I can't get this building. And the guy's going, oh, well, you might be in a bit of trouble. You're going to need some legal advice. All right, that's all fine. But do it over there. There's a band playing. You've got no concept of space. You've got no concept of people having an enjoyable evening. There's people listening to the music. Oh, no, I'm going to just fucking drone on about building regs. Don't care about the band. Anyway, that's enough about building regs. Second oh, thing, just
1: crying. Second, I'm crying laughing.
0: Second <laughs> thing is karaoke. There is karaoke in this movie. So as a fan yeah. of karaoke, I was quite up for the fact that there's a very prominent sign saying that there's a karaoke night. And I'm thinking, if there's no karaoke in this movie, I will be sorely disappointed after it's been promised. You do get some karaoke of a sort, you do get Ellen doing a slightly truncated version of Footloose. They don't seem to understand the rules of karaoke this place, because she hasn't even put a name down, but they say, right, okay, you're first, and she's like, oh, right, okay, I'll go up. Then she goes up there and said, oh, we've picked a song for you. It's like, well, that really isn't how karaoke works, because <laughs> if somebody gets Cellular Screams Karaoke, as enthusiastic as I am about performing karaoke at Screams, If somebody came up to me and said, right, you're first. It's like, well, I haven't even thought about what I'm going to sing. Oh, don't worry about that. We've picked a song for you. It's like, oh, right, okay." It's clearly going to be a song that's totally inappropriate. But she seems to think exactly the sort of song I would have picked, basically. Footloose. It's like, really? You're a lawyer from the big city and your go-to karaoke song is Footloose. I don't think that's true.
1: I think it was kind of meant to signify how she was now carefree and um, I suppose not tied to her career anymore now. She was free to live in the blueberry town of no blueberries. But if anybody from Sally Lloyd Screams is listening to this podcast, please can I request that you pick Darren to go first and pick his song for him. (laughs) I need to see this happen.
0: I know that Hallmark movies exist in a universe that isn't really true, but you've got to have some kind of rules, even within the world that you're operating in. And having people do things like this, you can stretch your belief to a certain point, but there's a point at which you think, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm not with this anymore. Having said that, me saying I'm not with this anymore by the time they get to the karaoke, which is almost at the end of the movie, I'd lost the movie maybe even an hour before that. So, yeah, I mean, what do you say about the Irresistible Blueberry Farm? It's not very irresistible. I I can resist it quite a lot. I'm probably not going to watch it for a long time, apart from the fact that if anybody wants to see it when they're at my house, I will say, you've got to see this one bit and (coughs) fast forward it to the Scary Faces bit and go, what do you notice the most about this kind of climactic romantic scene? Is it the decision that they make, or is it the fucking scary faces in the background? It's the scary faces, isn't it?
1: Yeah, you just cannot unsee it. It's going to be the first thing you notice in that scene, and it's given me so much joy, but I don't know why I can't explain the joy. It's just because I suppose it was something to distract me from the utter bore fest that the irresistible blueberry farm is. Obviously, it is very resistible, as we just. <laughs> Basically, come to that conclusion. I'd also noted the dead grandma had very bold lipstick on in every scene. That was an interesting choice there. Yeah, uh, beyond the a-
0: She's only seen
1: remembering her how
0: she was. Yeah, she's yeah, she's only <laughs> seen her as a vision. So it's not like American Werewolf where every time you see the Grant she's more decomposed than the last time. And, like, and by the end, by the end of the movie, she's just like sort of this skeleton with bits of flesh dropping off. So you can't have that in an all Might movie. I understand that.
1: But I wish you
0: could. Well, but... yeah, exactly. It would have been a lot more interesting that like she opens the doors, this like rotting corpse, like, hello, you're not gonna get that. In our movie, and I understand, but there's so much that's weird about it, and because the Grant's so pushy and like, oh, you know, don't make the same mistakes I made, and it's like, well, she probably isn't, as you say, Hayden, nice guy, perfectly reasonable, very tolerant of the fact that Roy is clearly hitting on his fiance. I've got a note actually, and it does say this. It says, "Why doesn't Ellen tell her Grant to fuck off?" <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, you will definitely reach that point with this film. <laughs> I've also got a note. I think this comes to the scene where Ellen finds her grand's old house, and there's a woman living there with a baby, and she gets a tour of the house. So this woman's like straight, well, oh, yeah, sure, come on in. Yeah. And then there's. A nursery set up in the attic that's not renovated. Now I'm assuming this baby must be about six months old by this point. So I just made a note saying that the child will be in school by the time this nursery's <laughs> finished at the rate they're going. <laughs> I mean, surely you'd have the nursery ready before the baby was gonna come so that baby could have the full yeah. experience of being in a nursery yeah. before moving on to the kid's bedroom or whatever. Yeah, very, very strange. Yeah, everyone's just so lovely and has no sense of danger and doesn't notice the scary face wall i just can't anymore and what i can't abide with is imdb has given this movie a 7 out of 10 and i just have to allude to the reviews on imdb so user reviews of this film someone has given it a 7 describing it as a feel-good tale from hallmark someone's given it a 9 great feel-good movie great chemistry with lead actors. the next review (laughs) they've given it a 9 need a wedding sequel please I love the chemistry between the two actors, Alison and Mark really surprisingly amazing, I would love to see a sequel another 9 rating nothing blue about this, great movie an 8 adorably heartwarming, I mean these are the the user reviews, you can understand why we were lulled into a false sense of expectation with this film because we were thinking oh this might be A cut above all Hallmark movies, you know, and it's got a great title, it's enticing us. Yeah, there's someone giving it a 10. I love this movie. That was written in 2020, however, so they might have just gone insane through lockdown, so we're uh, waver that one there. Irresistible charm. Love the movie, but dead presidents, question mark.
0: Oh, the game of dead presidents with the dartboard, where you put a picture of a dead president on the dartboard and you have to hit it in the face. Bit of a weird game. Never played it myself, but, you know, it is part of the movie. And, of course, Ellen, in addition to being a hotshot lawyer, is the world's best art player as well. I like that bit anyway, because it's kind of proving... Because somebody says that so somebody throws like a girl, so Ellen goes to disprove this theory. and that And that's fine. I'm all for that sort of thing in movies. But, yeah, the rest of it is just weird. And I think that, basically, the people who have reviewed it on IMDb are all people who just love this sort of thing anyway, and they're going to give it seven and above regardless. So you're never going to get something like Irresistible Charm, eight out of ten, or I love this movie, nine out of ten, and then you get weird, grand, scary faces, three out of (laughs) ten. You need
1: to write this review on IMDb. (laughs) Yeah, someone else gave it a ten, calling it Hallmark fresh Air. I've seen this before they should run it more often completely different mood well yeah i understand yeah. this person appreciate a different tone but i think i'm definitely in favor of the more unintentionally hilarious ones a delightful movie oh somebody else is demanding a sequel there's a quite a few people oh i found one negative four out of ten disappointing the old blueberry farm and paintings in maine In our quest to watch every Hallmark movie ever made, my wife and I found this one on DVD from our local library. Yeah, it goes into the plot. Part of the story is discovering a number of paintings her grandmother had done as a young woman, something her family had not been aware of. We enjoyed this movie. It's pretty well follows the Hallmark formula and the actors create characters easy to care about. I disagree. And then someone's given it a three out of ten with the title Infidelity. Why do so many supposedly wholesome romantic Hallmark films involve infidelity? This, like so many of their other films, has the main character finding herself true love while cheating on her perfectly nice but not quite right for her fiancé. Why is that something we should root for? Hallmark leads a trade of broken engagements and wronged lovers in their path in a pursuit of the one. It's baffling to me why that should be seen as romantic. You know, that's an absolutely valid point. I agree with you. Dallabatti, I think that's the username. <laughs> There is a lot of that. We meant we are meant to root for cheating, and yeah. the the other guy is like the throwaway. But if they turned the tables on this, and we had like a gender swap, if this was women pitched against each other, this would have a very different vibe.
0: Yeah, definitely. Usually in these movies, it's mitigated by the fact that the boyfriend who you want out of the way is a wanker. He's an absolute mm-hmm. wanker from start to finish. Whereas Hayden. Just seems quite a decent guy. He's a little bit dull, but he's certainly a decent guy. Doesn't want to rock the boat. The closest he gets to being a wanker in the movie is when he's trying to find out a bit of history because he's a congressman and he's campaigning and he's saying, well, we don't want any skeletons in the closet. At that point, you're thinking, oh, he's a wrong and he's a wrong. And he's just like, well, actually, no, he's just trying to quite rightly cover his ass before the other side digs up all this filth on the other side of the family. But at that point, the movie's saying, oh, God, he's, he's spying on her. He's trying to get information out of her. And in other Hallmark movies, there's reasons that the boyfriends are twats, basically. This one is much nicer than the boyfriends usually are in Hallmark movies. Even at the end, I mean, he's he's so decent that he's just like, well, all right, we weren't really meant to be together. When you're thinking like, well, no, you, no this is the time when you really go off on one because you've spent 80 minutes of this movie just tolerating all this stuff but now you get to go and have a one-on-one with uh mark blukas's character say like what the fuck are you doing with my girlfriend motherfucker well not not in hallmark movies obviously you know they turn the language down you don't want to come like samuel l jackson but yeah it's a strange one considering people love this movie i loved it a lot less than pretty much every other hallmark type movie with cover because at least the others have a bit of a a humorous slant to them. I mean, even if the jokes don't always land and even if the humor is quite unintentional a lot of the time, they do at least try to make you laugh, even if it's not successful most of the time. This one's a bit too poor-faced for me and I think it's trying for something a little bit different, but it doesn't work, unfortunately. So sorry, guys. However, got to say, Mark Blukas, extremely good-looking man. There we go.
1: There's one positive to come out of this film. But yeah, are you surprised that we didn't enjoy it? Probably not. I mean, I think it would have been a bit more of a twist if we come out of this saying we were so enlightened and we were going to basically cover Hallmark and nothing else for the rest of our episodes. But no, fear not. We are still going to be sticking to any genre, any movie and any quality as we've just proven. To round off, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 43% audience score and there's no critic rating for this at all.
0: Yeah, not a surprise, really. I don't think the critics would touch these movies with barge poles because it's not their ballpark, and it's not made for them. But to be honest, it's not made for us either, this, I have to say. Apart from the scary faces, which will always stick in my memory, and possibly the line, I still think of you whenever I eat blueberries, there's not an awful lot to recommend this. Go figure. I mean, people lap this sort of stuff up, but it's just... A series of very weird choices and normally I would think yeah that's great but here I couldn't wait for it to finish I did like the fact that they'd saved the scary faces to the end so that kind of got me to the end but the rest of it is like oh Christ I mean I think I checked my watch and it was like 35 minutes in and I was like oh god I've got 50 minutes of this still to go how am I going to get through it? Anyway, I did for the purpose of the podcast. If I'd have been watching it just for enjoyment, it would have probably gone off at 35 minutes. they had been like, right, that's it. I'm done. But I would have missed the best part of the movie. So if you like A Wall of Scary Faces, I know we're labouring the scary face point, but if you like Walls of Scary Faces, this is the movie for you.
1: And to close off, just to give you a fun fact, I have actually met Mark Lucas. Now, when I met him, I wasn't aware that he'd starred in a movie called The Irresistible Blueberry Farm. If I could go back in time, I'd love to ask him about The Wall of Scary Faces and many other elements that we've talked about. But I can vouch for the fact that he was very lovely. And I met him at a convention just for context. I didn't just like meet him in the middle of a dance floor while he was talking construction. (laughs) I do wish we could chat longer.
0: And that's it for episode 92 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening.
1: And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to check out more of our episodes and future content, you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast.
0: In episode 93, we're taking a step away from the blueberry farm and we're going right into the inner city for a gritty tale of a schoolteacher Finding herself possibly out of her depths, it's Michelle Pfeiffer in Dangerous Minds.
1: And this will be a first time viewing for me, so I'm excited to finally see this movie after just seeing clips from the Coolio music video.
0: Until then, stay safe, everybody. We'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Haley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbeat.